of the Lord. Would you like to have some material for a Bible study today? All right. Well, I'm going to preach this morning about a God who will take your sins away. Do you believe that he can do it? Amen. I believe he can do it. I believe, thank you, Brother Mike. I believe that God can take our sins away. I believe he's provided a plan to deal with our sin, amen, and with the sin of the whole world. And I believe that if the church comes under attack for, any, for anything within our lifetimes, it's going to be for the message that he can take our sins away and he's the only one who can do it. The book of Acts church did not get in trouble for worshiping Jesus. They got in trouble for worshiping only Jesus. They wouldn't say that Caesar is Lord. They wouldn't subscribe to any other gods. And that's what brought them under persecution. And if the church today comes under any persecution in our lifetimes, it's going to be because, not because of the message that Jesus is God, but because of the message that Jesus is the only God. Amen? And I still believe that he's the only God. I believe that he's the only one that can deal with our sin. I believe that he's the only one that can not only forgive sin, but can completely remove sin and deal with it completely. I believe that. If you believe that, why don't you clap your hands right now? Everybody's got a secret way of getting stains out, Brother Joe different stains. Sometimes you got to call somebody up and be like, how do you, how, how did you, do? everyone's got their secret ingredient, Brother Marcus, club soda or a particular cleaner that they swear by or baby powder or hydrogen peroxide or baking soda or citrus or, or whatever that stain has. Everyone's got their own little secret recipe of how to get a stain out. But the, the, where the money really, where the, where the money really hits the table, where the rubber meets the road is when you get a stain that you can't deal with. Then what do you do? What do you do when you got something that just won't move, that just won't get out of your way? You got several options at that point. You can either ignore it, right? You can just ignore it. You got a stain on your rug. You got a stain on your couch. You got a stain on your favorite pew here at the church. And you come in on Tuesday and you're like, I don't even know how this stain got there, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on it and you just can't get it out. Well, you got, an, you got a couple things you can do. You can either ignore it or you can set something on top of it, right? You can cover it up. You can set, you'd be like, you know what? I'm just going to rotate my rug at the house to where my couch sits on top of the stain. Anybody ever done that? You know what I'm talking about. You got some options. You can ignore it. You can just walk over it and just pretend like it's not there. You can move something on top of it and try to camouflage it. You can throw it away. Amen? You could just throw it away and start over again. Most of us, before we do those things, though, we're going to do our best to deal with the stain. We're going to do our best to deal with what is embedded and what seemingly can't be dealt with. Even if it's clear we can't remove it, before we throw it away entirely, we're going to try some kind of strategy to deal with it even if it can't be removed. Every human person has a problem that we can't deal with on our own. 
If we were to, to put one word to it, it would be the word sin. But you could probably break it down into categories. And maybe you deal with something, and another person deals with another thing, and another person deals with another thing, and it's just something that you can't deal with on your own. It's something you can't remove on your own. And you've, you're, you, you're resigned to the place where you just have to either ignore it and pretend like it's not there, where you have to try to camouflage it and make sure no one notices. Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? Everybody's got something. I'm talking about spiritual things that we cannot deal with on our own. Leviticus chapters 11 through 15 tells us that there's things that make us unclean. And if, you'll, if you turn there, you can look and you can just flip through it on your own and you can see that it's chapters that talk about leprosy. It's chapters that talk about unclean foods to eat. It's things that talk about um, different plagues and different signs and, and different kinds of things you can come into contact with or things that you would do that would make you unclean. And the point of those chapters is to tell us what Romans says in a sentence. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Just by virtue of living in the world that we live in, we're going to become unclean. We're going to have something attach itself to us that we can't deal with on our own. It's just going to happen. And the Apostle John wrote to the church, he says, if we say, if you say that you have no sin, you're a liar. We all have sin. We all have stains in our life that we can't get out on our own. Things that we can't remove on our own. Leviticus chapter 16 is where I'd like to turn your attention to today because it's been called by some the most important chapter in the entire law. It's because Leviticus chapter 16 describes what we know as the Day of Atonement. It was the day of the year when the sin of the people was dealt with as best as it could be dealt with in the Old Covenant. It was the only day of the year, this day of atonement, when the high priest would be able to enter into the most holy place, that place where the Ark of the Covenant in the direct presence of God dwelt. This chapter that we're going to read from in just a moment describes the best that the law had to offer on the topic of sin before Jesus Christ would come. Leviticus chapter 16, verse 6. I'm going to read it from the New King James Version. It says this, Aaron, who was the high priest, shall offer the bull as a sin offering, which is for himself. You see, the first thing that had to happen is there was preparation that had to be made for the priest. The priest himself who was going to offer and, and, and conduct the ceremony had himself to be made clean. And Aaron had to offer a bull as a sin offering for himself to make atonement for him and his house. And then the scripture says, He shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats. One lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. But Aaron shall bring the goat on which the Lord's lot fell and offer it as a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it and to let it go as the scapegoat into the wilderness. Skipping down to verse 15. 
then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering, which is for the people, to bring its blood inside the veil, to do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bull, and sprinkle it on the mercy seat, which is, and before the mercy seat. So he shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel, because of their transgressions for all their sins. And so shall he do for the tabernacle of meeting, which remains among them in the midst of their uncleanness. There had to be preparation made for the priest. There had to be preparation made for the place. The tabernacle had to be purified and prepared for what was going to happen. And verse 17 goes on and says, There shall be no man in the tabernacle of meeting when he goes in to make atonement in the holy place until he comes out and he may make atonement for himself, for his household, and for all the assembly of Israel. And he shall go out to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it, and shall take some of the blood of the bull and some of the blood of the goat and put it on the horns of the altar all around. And he shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his finger seven times. He'll cleanse it and he'll consecrate it from the uncleanness of the children of Israel. Verse 20. And when he has made an end of atoning for the holy place, the tabernacle of meeting and the altar, he shall bring the live goat, the scapegoat. And Aaron shall lay both of his hands on the head of this live goat and he'll confess over it. Now, see what happens right now. In the Old Testament, there's usually three words that are used to describe the sin of the people. The first word is sin. The second word is transgressions. And the third word is iniquities. These are the three words that are used time and time again in the Old Testament to refer to sin. And here in this verse, Aaron shall lay his hands on the head of the live goat, and he'll confess over it all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions concerning all their sins. All three of the words that the Old Testament uses to describe the problem that we're talking about are made reference to right here in one verse. It might be the only verse in the entire Bible where all three of those words occur at once. And they said that Aaron will put his hands on the head of this live goat and he's going to confess the completeness of all the sin of the people. Their sin, their iniquities, and their transgressions transgressions and he's going to put them on the head of the goat and he'll send it into the wilderness by the hand of a suitable man and the goat shall bear on itself all their iniquities to an uninhabited land and he will release the goat into the wilderness the purpose of the old testament from the beginning and all the way through at different stages is to deal with the problem that we're addressing today this stain, this problem that we can't deal with on our own called sin. It's a familiar bit of information to most of us this morning, but I want to make a statement today that, that is just so unequivocally clear. It's the most powerful statement, I believe, that a single individual can really get a revelation of because your understanding of it is going to affect your eternity and the way that you understand it and apply it is going to affect the way you live your life today. That God offers to remove sin. I'm talking about that thing that keeps you out of his presence. I'm talking about that thing that keeps you from fully realizing everything God created and intended for you to be. God offers to remove it. He offers to remove sin. He not just forgives it. He doesn't just overlook it. He doesn't just start to ignore it. He doesn't just rearrange your life so it's camouflaged. But he removes it. He deals with it once and for all. 
And that sacrificial system that we just read a little bit about from the Old Testament, it was a ritual, that one that's described in Leviticus chapter 16. I spared you this morning. I thought about reading the whole chapter, but we just weren't going to do that today. But you can go home and do that. Those things were pictures of what needed to happen to deal with sin, to remove sin. They were pictures. They were shadows. They were representations and symbols of what needed to occur in order to finally remove and deal with sin. But the scriptures are completely clear that the blood of bulls and goats and rams were not sufficient to completely, once and for all, deal with sin. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 4 says, It's not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. They deal with it on some level. That's why they call it the Day of Atonement. Those sins, there was power in the ritual that they would perform as described to us in Leviticus 16. Those sins would be addressed and they would be rolled back and and, and there would be something that was done. But it wasn't the end solution in itself because it's just not possible that the blood of these crude animals would be able to completely remove and deal with the sins of humanity. And so the Old Testament in many different places, gives us pictures and representations of what the real thing was going to need to look like. There was going to have to be a better sacrifice to deal with sin. The actions of the Day of Atonement, Brother Hunter, were just a dress rehearsal for the real thing. And as the high priest would go into the most holy place, and the people would do what they had to do, and he would offered the bull as the sacrifice for himself and his family. And then they would do all the things necessary to get the place and the tabernacle prepared for the ceremony. And then they would take the two goats and they would kill the one and leave the other alive and confess the sins and the transgressions and the iniquities on the head of the live goat. And they'd send it out into the wilderness never to be seen again. It was just a symbol. It was just a representation, Brother Hunter. It was just a dress rehearsal of what the real thing was going to need to look like. And every year... Every year, year after year, the centuries would roll by and they would reenact this ritual of the Day of Atonement. They would go through all the necessary things to prepare the priest. They would go through all the necessary things to prepare the place. They would do the things that had to be done to prepare the people to receive this ritual that was taking place. And they would sacrifice the bull to push back the sins of the priest who would perform the ritual. They would prepare everything, all the pieces of furniture, and everything would have to be right. And, and, and year after year after year, the visual would take place. And there would be this visual representation of, of something that was actually bigger than what they were doing with the bulls and the goats and the sacrifices and the blood of these animals. And century after century, they'd find, Brother Joe, they'd find these two goats. Year after year, they'd find them. One would be killed. The other would become the scapegoat and be released into the wilderness and would never be seen 
again. And the eons would roll by, and God's people would do it over and over and over, and they'd roll back that sin, but it would never be once for all dealt with. It would never actually be removed. But the saints of old would look forward into the future in anticipation of that day when their sins wouldn't just be rolled back. But there would come that perfect priest. There would come that perfect sacrifice. And their sin could actually be removed. There would be that one who would come one day. I'm talking about a message that's going to get less and less popular as the years of our lives roll on. But there would come a day where somebody would show up that was going to embody everything that that ritual represented. He was going to show up on the scene one day. Then one day, one day, there was a prophet of God standing in the Jordan River. He was ministering to the people of Israel, and he was calling them to repentance. And John saw something crossing over the horizon, something that the kings of old longed to see, but their riches couldn't buy it. Something that all the warriors of the Old Testament wanted to lay their own eyes on. But all of their physical strength and and prowess on the battlefield couldn't make it happen. Something that even all of his predecessors, all the prophets of old, prophesied and preached about with passion. Whether anybody was listening to them or not. But they had to do it as something that was not yet come to pass. Then one day, John looked out into the distance as he stood there in the waters of the Jordan River, and he saw a Savior. And he saw Jesus coming towards him, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. And the people stood there flabbergasted, not knowing what had come over John the Baptist that day. But just like that, that thing that had been anticipated became not just an anticipation, but it became an announcement that echoed through eternity. And something was about to change. There was a God who had arrived on the scene, who was the physical embodiment of everything that had been gone through forever. And ever, and ever, year after year, century after century, he was finally there that day. He was dipping his feet into the muddy waters of the Jordan River. And the prophet was declaring to the world then and the world now, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Somebody needs to get a hold of this today. You are living in the best time that there is to be a child of God. You might look around at the world and wring your hands and see everything happening around us, but I want to remind you today, this is the best time to be a part of the people of God because God offers to remove our sin. There's nothing better than being full of the Holy Ghost. 
There's nothing better than being led by the Holy Ghost every day. There's no freedom like the freedom of having your sins dealt with. Does anybody know what I'm, has anybody experienced it today? Why don't you lift your hands and worship the Lord right now if you know what I'm talking about? Come on, there's still power in the blood today. There's still power in the blood today. Come on, church. Come on, church. We have the message today. We have the message that this broken world needs. God came to remove sin. Come on, somebody's getting a revelation of it right now. You've been consumed by worry. You've been consumed by doubt. You've been consumed by distraction. But the message is still real. There's people that still need to know that there's a God who can take their sin away. Come on, God's plan is in place. You don't have to wait. You don't have to anticipate. But His plan is in place today. Everything that the saints of old waited for is here before us. Every stain that they couldn't deal with on their own can be dealt with. Let me paint the picture for somebody this morning and just try to highlight how important it is that we realize that today is the day. The Scriptures declare to us that by faith, Abel, he offered an excellent sacrifice. That by faith, Enoch walked with God. That by faith, Noah prepared an ark. That by faith, Abraham obeyed when God called him out of Ur of the Chaldees. That by faith, Sarah believed that she could conceive and have a son in her old age. By faith, Abraham offered up that son Isaac on Mount Moriah to God. By faith, Isaac blessed his children with the future in mind. By faith, Jacob blessed his grandchildren. By faith, Joseph said, don't bury my bones in Egypt, but carry me back home to the promised land. By faith, Moses, when he came of age, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea on dry ground. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down flat. By faith, Rahab didn't have the same fate as all those in Jericho, but she joined the people of God and became a child of God. And the scripture goes on to say, what more shall I say? 
For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and also of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms and worked righteousness. They obtained promises. They stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the violence of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword and out of weakness they were made strong. They became valiant in battle and they turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead to life again and others were tortured not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mockings and scourgings, yes, of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all of these having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us. I'm here to tell you today, today is the best time to live for God in the history of the world. All of these, from Abel all the way to Rahab and beyond, everybody that I just read about believed in faith and anticipation of what we experience today. They had to settle for the dress rehearsal. But church, we've got the real thing. We've got the power of God. We've got the message. We've got the good news of a God who doesn't just roll back sin, but he deals with it and removes it. Hallelujah. Our spiritual ancestors never saw it happen. They waited their entire lives, and they thought it was going to be something they'd see in their lifetime. And then they would go to the grave. And generation after generation passed from this earth in anticipation of what we have in our grasp today. It was necessary, Hebrews says. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 23. We're giving a little Bible study material today. It was necessary that the copies of the things in the heavens should be purified with these but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands. He's not a high priest that went into a tent, into the most holy place, but he did, hear me right now, he did the real thing. It wasn't just a representation. It wasn't just a ritual. It wasn't just a a, a pattern of symbols. But it was the real thing. When Christ went to Calvary, when God robed himself in flesh, he went beyond the veil. And it wasn't just a copy of something that they had reenacted for centuries. But ladies and gentlemen, it was the real thing. We've got the real thing today. We've got the real power to deal with sin and to remove sin. And the scriptures say, so Christ offered once for all. Once for all to deal with sin. And now he waits and he's going to come back for those who are waiting on him. Who have experienced the power of what I'm preaching about today. Jesus doesn't have to go back to Calvary every time that you mess up. Jesus doesn't have to reenact Calvary every generation, every October around the Day of Atonement when they would do that. He doesn't have to do it again because it was the real thing. And it counted as the real thing. And you can experience it today if you've got a stain in your life that you just haven't been able to deal with. 
I'm here to tell you that there isn't any secret formula or secret recipe or an ingredient that I've pulled off the shelf, but we've got the real thing today. And the stain that you haven't been able to deal with on your own, I'm here to tell you on this Sunday morning that God is able to remove it. God's able to remove it. Somebody clap your hands unto the Lord. We have access to that most holy place, that presence of God. And we have access to that place by the precious blood of Jesus that he shed at Calvary. We don't need to get away from the message of the blood of Jesus because it's by the blood of Jesus that we can be saved. It's by the blood of Jesus that anything that's going to change for the good in this world is going to be able to happen. The cross was necessary. The cross was necessary. It had to happen at the cross. It had to happen by the blood of Jesus because the blood of the bulls and the goats was not sufficient. It had to be Calvary. Therefore, brethren, Hebrews chapter 10 says, having boldness to enter the holiest place by the blood of Jesus and by a new and living way that he consecrated for us, through the veil that his in his flesh he made, was made a high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a true heart. Somebody needs to draw near today. Let me say it like this. The stain that you need dealt with today, it isn't going to happen at a distance. But you're going to have to draw near. You're going to have to come into, what do you have to do whenever you've got something that you've got to get out of a, of a piece of fabric or something? There has to be direct contact, Sister Natalie. Church, if, you're, if you've got something that you want the Holy Ghost to deal with today, you're going to have to come into direct contact this morning. But because of the blood of Jesus, that kind of direct contact is possible because Christ became that high priest and he went beyond the veil and he shed his blood outside of the camp and because of that we can draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water let us hold fast the confession of our hope without waving for he who promised is faithful we have a promise from the one who is able to deal with it. That if you will draw near to him and come into contact with him this morning, he can and he will deal with it. Come on, somebody here right now. Lift up your hands all over this place. The Holy Ghost is here and he's dealing with somebody right now. The musicians prepare to come. Come on, right now, somebody touch the Holy Ghost right now. Somebody get in the Spirit right now. We're not talking about ritual this morning, but we're talking about the real thing. We're talking about an experience that you can have even yet today. That's it. That's it right now. We're in the presence of the Holy Ghost right now. Somebody's gotten a revelation of that thing that they've been hiding behind, that thing that's been so buried down deep, that thing that's so deeply embedded into the fabric of their life. The Holy Ghost can deal with it today. 
I want to remind you this morning that Simon Peter stood up and he preached those anticipated words. And I can't help but think when he stood up at Pentecost that there was a great cloud of witnesses that were lending an ear. Those saints of old that had anticipated and gone through the ritual time after time that when Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. When Peter declared there was a new covenant that was going to come into place and it wasn't going to be a dress rehearsal it wasn't going to be a representation but it was going to be the real thing and Christ was going to be able to enter your life and deal with things at such a deep level that it wasn't just going to roll back sin anymore but it was going to remit sin it was going to wash away sin it was going to deal with it once and for all preaching a gospel this morning to somebody of a God who will remove sin. The scriptures say that in time past, God's, God winked at it. He overlooked it. But now he calls everyone to repentance. Because everything that's necessary to deal with what you've got going on in your life that you can't deal with on your own is available today. Saint of God, you don't have to ignore it anymore. You don't have to try to camouflage it anymore. You don't have to try to rearrange your life so that something covers it up and no one ever notices. But there's a solution available today. As we all stand, let me, let me say it just like the old poet said it. As we stand across this room, he said it this way, as far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed our transgressions from us. I'm talking about having your sins removed. If you want to worship like you've had your sins removed, you better come into direct contact with him today. If you want to live in the power of the Holy Ghost as somebody that's had their sins removed, you need to come into direct contact with Him today. And you need to come forward into His presence with that bold assurance of faith, with the faith of your heart saying, Lord, I believe what the preacher said today. I believe that you can remove sin. I believe that you will remove sin. I believe, God, that whatever I'm dealing with, whatever I've hidden behind the layers of my life, that you're able to do something about it today and I'm bringing it to you. Every hand lifted all over this room right now. These altars are open as they play and they sing and we enter into a time of response. The Holy Ghost is here. He's already manifested himself in this room today. You have a choice today of what you're going to do. You can choose to ignore it and pretend like it's not there and just walk past it another time. You can choose today to keep rearranging your life day after day to try to camouflage and hide what you're so ashamed of or whatever's causing that guilt. Or you can right now where you're at or you can come up to these altars or wherever you need to all through this room. You can touch the master today. I want to invite you to come up to the front. 
If you're comfortable doing so and you want to come to the front and you want to find a place of direct encounter with God, it doesn't matter what it is. There's no condemnation. It doesn't matter what it is. It's all right to admit that there's just some things that I can't deal with on my own. It's all right today to just to just admit to yourself and say, I haven't been able to do it. And I need something more powerful. Come on, God's not in the business anymore of rolling it back. But he's in the business of removal. today. There's freedom in the presence of God. You need to have a direct encounter with the Master today. There are things that you don't need to live with anymore, Saint of God. It doesn't have to be that way anymore. That gives me strength from day to day. Somebody just take advantage of the access that you have today in the blood of Jesus. You got access into the joy of the Lord. You got access into a life of hope. You got access into peace. And it flows through the Straight from day to day.